Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like, uh, we live, we live. What's up, Sam? I'll bring you. Uh, what did you say Sam looks like? Looks like the male uh, Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> He's got a very, very nice uh, black turtleneck looking thing on. No, it's just a... It's a collar. I'm just being preppy today. <laughs> uh, all right. What up, man? What, what do you want to talk about? I'm sitting here in my office. You know uh, Jack Butcher from Visualize Value? Yep. He, um, I went to his house in Nashville and him and my wife and him, my wife and his wife all became buddies. And now he just arrived in Austin. He's going to be celebrating Thanksgiving with us. He's right in the other room here. Amazing. So I'm happy he's here. Love it. Buddies. We we became buddies fast. By the way, do you like this new little studio setup? Yeah, it looks very slick. Does it look good? Every day is getting better. Yeah. All right, good. Um, let's get into it. You, I, I, By the way, I love how much time you spend improving the visual of your podcast studio, given that no one can see it. <laughs> That's, uh, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> That's fucked up. Does it sound good at least? It does sound good, yeah. Because I put, like, we put carpet and stuff in here to make it sound good. Before, it sounded, like, so echoey. So, hopefully, it sounds good. Um, Okay, you want to talk about some of this stuff? Can we talk about the the first thing, it being your, uh, the Chamath, or what's his name, Chamath? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Chamath's tweet. Yeah, go ahead. So, he put out a tweet the other day, and uh, Chamath's probably one of the five to 10 people I have Twitter notifications on for. So I get like a text message basically whenever they tweet, which is pretty annoying, but uh, it's like, you know, you get, you get all the good stuff. So for, for some people who are, are very uh, putting out high signal and low noise, uh, it's good. So he put out a tweet that said, what's an interesting cash flowing public company that could be super supercharged. If I could get a hold of it and help revamp its technology and go to market, basically What's a public company that's got good cash flows that I could buy and I could use technology to to supercharge the growth? And so good question. And then because he's Chamath, he gets a bunch of replies of people doing sort of free free homework for him. Um, and, you know, they're his free associates. And so I thought this thread was great. And I spent like, you know, 45 minutes in this one thread just learning different stuff and looking at these different companies and, uh, you know, I think somebody could easily spend 12 hours in this thread and learn a whole bunch and uh, and publish what you learned and probably get you know a job with Chamath if you wanted to. But what did you think of this? Yeah, so I only saw the tweet. I didn't read any of the replies. Okay. By the way, on Twitter, does, do your replies sort by most popular? Yeah, I think so. Mine don't. So it's not exactly I don't know what... most popular, but it's some algorithm for sure. I don't have that. So I, I don't really... I didn't sort through the comments. But how about this? Let's go back and forth and we'll name one. And then you, I'll name one, you name one, and we'll go back and forth. And, and it's okay if yours are stolen. None of mine are stolen, but that also means none of mine are maybe that good. 
So all of mine are stolen, but what it means is that I didn't do the homework. So I'm going to know pretty much nothing more than just what they said in the tweet. But I'll just read their tweet essentially as my own. Okay, let me tell you one. And this one, mine are either going to be incredibly obvious or just really stupid. So <laughs> sorry. Okay. Casper mattresses. Okay. Have you seen their mark? Like, have you seen their market cap? Uh, no. What is it? Two billion? One billion? N- no, dude. Less? No. Less than a billion? Yes. Keep going. 300 billion? How low is it? No. <laughs> 250. Wow. $250 million market cap with like $500 million in sales a year. Okay, but why would Chamath want to buy a trash company like Casper that... It's not a trash company. Is, it just shouldn't be in New York. I would buy it. He should buy it and fire every single person <laughs> and move them to Utah. Tell me why a mattress company has customer service people who are hipster right. hipsters out of Brooklyn or in Manhattan. You don't need but that. But is the problem there essentially their office, their GNA expenses, or is it that the mattress and shipping a mattress and doing the dealing with returns is really expensive. And that's the problem. He could figure it out. <laughs> Matt, see, I, like I told you, none of my, my ideas aren't necessarily going to be that okay, great. I like it. Uh, that, that I would say, I'm going to say no on that because um, I don't think that that technology, I think they are a technology native company. I, I went the other way. think looking at the dinosaur companies that have, I have, a, I have a few str- of those strong too, brands, strong cash flows, sometimes small, uh, strong real estate, and they just don't have technology DNA. That's where I went with this. But I, okay, you want to do another one or you want me to go? Yeah, let me do another one. Okay. Okay, this one, it doesn't necessarily fit because I think it's still privately owned, but it, it's probably owned by, I think it's owned by a bank. Okay. So that's like, Subway. Ah, okay. Tell me why. Okay, here's why. Did you know that there are more Subways than McDonald's and Starbucks combined? I did know that. (laughs) So, okay. Well, so it's the largest, um, I think, I believe by location, it's the largest food chain in America. Um, Great brand. Everyone knows Subway. You know, you say Subway, everyone knows what it means. Um, They're incredibly cheap to open. The reason why there's so many of them is... A little town in Alabama may not have a McDonald's because that's that requires a, a proper kitchen. While Subway just is two people and a like an easy bake oven, like a little like you know microwave oven. It's really easy. Um, now the reason why it's interesting is re- is I think that their quality right now is horrendous. The Subway like the logis- there, there's yeah. something wrong with their logistical with their with their chain of. Um, their supply chain that they can't get quality ingredients to the location. Yeah, nothing is fresh anymore. And like, yeah. that's their shit. Yes. And, but it's still a great brand. It's even though they've been a horrible brand for like 15 years, all of us who are in our thirties and forties now grew up thinking that subway was like the Chipotle of right. back then. Like it's a healthy alternative, which is no longer is. So I think I, I would be very interested in buying subway. And I think there's a lot of things that you could do in the back end to make that business incredibly more efficient. Okay. Um, I don't hate the subway call. I still don't think, I still think you're thinking um, in the same vein, like you're taking a, a brand that's known for X and saying do X better rather than, okay, I'll give you an example. Here, here, okay, let, fine. Let, let, let me give you a good one here. So I found this in the thread. Uh, should I even try to give credit? Should I try to find who said this? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, okay. So the one idea is Western Union. The, okay. So this, the person who Tweeted this back as Main Street Investor. Their, their ad handles New Money FC. Good name. I like it. So he said, Western Union, here's why. Growing digital footprint, 
tepid revenue growth, strong free cash flow, and no other bets. And I think that's the key. There's no like growth bets really in Western Union. And so you know, basically showed um, for for 2020 a um, billion dollars of free cash flow on five billion of revenue. So um, th- that's pretty good. And then they basically. Um, uh, they, they talked about some of the assets that they have. So they are operating already and they have compliance in 200 countries. That would take you a long time to buy into or grow into. So they already have that. They have a network of 500,000 agents already in all these different countries for you to do business with. That's really critical. Um, and then, you know, it has a billion in cash and, and 3 billion in long-term debt. And, um, and so, so Western Union, here's the, the play with Western Union. You have Chamath who at one point, owned 5% of all Bitcoin that was out there. And you have Western... Did he really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he still it? does, um, but at one point he had, he owned 5% of the market cap of, of Bitcoin. Um, he had accumulated a pretty big position. This is according to him. I don't know if this is an audited statement, but I heard him say it at a talk. Um, so then you have Western Union, which is all about money transfer on legacy, legacy systems. Um, and it's for international remittance of currency, which is actually the one thing that Bitcoin can do really, really well. And so I think you basically take Western Union and then you pair it as the, the Bitcoin brand. And so you you have all these agents in all these different countries where they have weak currencies. You know, you go to Uganda or wherever else and you have Western Union is a known brand over there, which is one of the few Western brands that's known internationally. It's known as a trusted financial partner, which gets over the, the hump with Bitcoin, which is this new kind of scary thing. And you basically inject, you basically turn Western Union into a Bitcoin remittance network over time, uh, starting small and then going bigger. And so I think this is a great way to become the sort of international Bitcoin Bitcoin um, uh, merchant and network using Western Union as your Trojan horse. And let me look up the Western Union mar- market cap. Uh, so let's, while you're looking that up, let's let's look at what, why, like, I, I usually default to like, oh yeah, why could this work? But let's actually ask ourselves why this can't work. By the way, 8 billion is the market cap. So Western Union, pretty shit brand. Like they're known for being like reliable, but like to put crudely, like this is what you use when you're really poor. <laughs> well, that's that's the market for that's the market that they have is people who need, uh, you know, need money transfers like this. Totally. And it's typically like in bad neighborhoods. It's it's like poor, low income people. Right. Um, Like it's. Opportunity. Like You're just saying the up- word opportunity over and over again in my head. That's all I'm hearing, dude. I'm just hearing opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Hey, look, I agree. You can, there's opportunity everywhere. But my point is, is that would that market truly embrace Bitcoin? Uh, you, so the thing is, you can make it where either Bitcoin is getting to that point where people are curious enough. And if you make an easy on-ramp, that's what people always talk about, on-ramps and off-ramps with Bitcoin. How do you make it easy to buy? How do you make it easy to take your Bitcoin and get cash out, uh, get cash that you want with it? That's what Western Union is. It's a network of on-ramps and off-ramps. So I like that. Um, the other thing you could do is you could sort of mask it. So you could basically make it, you could make it a more user-friendly product that just uses Bitcoin as the rails. And so you, you could, you may be able to skip the step of educating, but I would just go for the education uh, component of it because I think enough people are interested in Bitcoin. And I also think that the kind of bad neighborhoods thing, that's the, that's the U.S. perspective. I'm talking about countries where there, it's just a bad, the whole country is a bad neighborhood. And, and so that's where Western Union is on the other side of the, you know, that's the other side of the tunnel when you send, send money through Western Union is typically to countries with really poor financial infrastructure, poor currency controls, that sort of thing. That's who needs Bitcoin. Another thing about buying a company like Western Union 
is that you probably have a ton, uh, like a hundreds of people in upper management who have been worked there for probably 20 years. And it's like, can you teach an old dog new tricks or do you just got to fire Casper everyone? mattresses, baby. We're cutting heads over at Western we, Union. Okay, heads so if roll. you're going to do this, everyone's like, there's so much opportunity, but you got to think like, you're going to have to fire a also, fuck ton of people. It's going to be a headache. You're going to get lawsuits. The yellow color, we're brightening it up. We're, we're rebranding. We're, re- we're doing everything here. So we are heads are going to roll. We're rebranding. The whole name might change to Western Coin soon. And, and it's going to be about trans- transmitting. I'm just saying these people probably all look like my aunt and uncle. You're going to have a lot of angry Karens in, in, in uh Western hey, the Union severance package is on, on, the, on the left over here. You, you can collect six months of severance and uh, see you later. I'm getting a bunch of crypto nerds in here and we're taking over. It's uh, That's an interesting one. What are other ideas? Uh, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good idea, I think, now. Not like I, I would be on board. I wouldn't bet my own money because we're just shooting the right. shit, but it's it's quite interesting. Okay, here's another one. Um, CVS. This was the top reply in the thread. No way. And what? Um, okay, so let me give you the, the the person. Dude, CVS is booming. They're they're great. They don't need him. Uh, so post post market. So post underscore market is her handle. Uh, she's actually very interesting. She has very good good tweets. Um, so she said CVS has 15 billion of cash flow, has touch points with 100 million consumers, and store base of 9,000 stores for distribution for you. So this is the Whole Foods Amazon playbook. And so basically, it's healthcare is the most attractive vertical with the largest profit pool. They have the tools to win in an Amazon-dominated world. So Chamath is known to be very interested in healthcare. Uh, I think one of his backs just took Clover Health public as well. Um, he yep. invested in a, like a diabetes company and some others. And so now there's some problems with CVS, which is that, like you said, CVS is doing well. So CVS's market cap is like $80 billion. So not a realistic target to take take out, take private, take over. Um, so he, he actually responded in the thread and said, what about – cash tag RAD, which is Rite Aid. Uh, what about Rite Aid instead? Rite Aid's kind of interesting, right? It's, you know, the poor man CVS. And I think Rite Aid is like a 500-ish million market cap company that has many of the same properties, just with a smaller footprint overall. And so here's the play. We do, we do, we we take Sam's original idea with the subway. No, 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 we not, not subway. We need like a blockbuster. We need someone who's going out of business. And we're going to take Rite Aid, the brand, and then we're going to pick up real estate uh, footprint of some brand that just died during COVID and they like doll, you know, some dollar store or like, you know, Sears, I don't know who somebody's going out of business, but it has the same Sears too big. You need, you need somebody with the same footprint as a Rite Aid. We're going to do a roll up of those two and we're going to offer the um, sort of mobile ordering delivery DoorDash style service for prescriptions and, uh, and products from Rite Aid. Give me your thoughts. And passport photos, which is why people go to CVS and Walgreens and stuff as well to take passport photos. We're gonna come to your house and take a picture of you. How big is Rite Aid? I don't, I don't even, are they public? Five six hundred million. Five hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's market it. cap. It's fucking steel. Yeah, cool idea. <laughs> how many locations? Like, uh, how much? How I feel like their real estate would be worth close to that. They may not own. They may lease. Right. So okay. So it's a six hundred million dollar company. Net operating cash flow, 2020, $500 million. Free cash flow, $330 million. I don't understand public companies. How is a, how is a company that's got, you know, $300 million of free cash flow and, uh, you know, $500 million of net operating cash flow? Yeah, I don't know anything about that either. I mean, I would wonder how much debt they have. 
some someone who's smarter than me about how public companies are valued. Tell me, tell me about all this. But um, but I like the idea. I like the idea of taking something that has going for something that has a, a wide real, real estate footprint in a space you care about, like healthcare, um, and then trying to modernize it by offering some of the things that the digital pharmacies are doing and um, and, and try to go that route. That one's a good one. Um, what else was good? One other one I liked. This was actually my idea, but somebody in the thread also was thinking about it, which is a brand that I find hilarious, and that's Tootsie Roll. So Tootsie Roll is a very interesting company. Um, I I don't know if I did ever tell you about the Tootsie Roll stock tip I got. No, but wait, did that the one that Moyes talked about? I talked about it with him. Yeah. Yes, I, I've heard about this through the through the grapevine. <laughs> so, so there was uh, so several years ago, uh, and by the way, this turned out to just be very lucky timing. There was no actual intelligence behind this, but several years ago, um, like 2017 ish, uh, Tootsie Roll was like I don't know thirty five dollars a share, and. I saw this YouTube video of this guy who was like on CNBC and they were asking him all these like, what do you think about the global economy? He's like, I don't know about any of that, but I'm gonna tell you one thing. Dead stock, Tootsie Roll. He's like, I'm shorting Tootsie Roll big. And I was like, what? <laughs> this came out of nowhere. And he's like, I'm shorting Tootsie Roll. He goes, do you know anyone under the age of 40 who likes Tootsie Rolls? And he's like, yeah, Sam raises his hand, but he's like, he's like, kids don't like Tootsie Rolls. They don't even know about Tootsie Rolls. He goes, Tootsie Roll owned by this woman who is 90 years old or whatever. She's never going to sell the company. She refuses to sell over her dead body. So there's no sale uh, possible. Revenue is going to go down because nobody likes Tootsie Roll. And as I was listening to this, I was like, yeah, dude, Tootsie Rolls are gross. And so I shorted the stock. Uh, this is my first stock I ever shorted. And, uh, and it crashed. It went down to like whatever. Uh, not, not a huge crash, but it, it went down like five, six dollars a share. Uh, and I made a bunch of money and I immediately sold it and I got out. And since then, by the way, the stock is up. So uh, it wasn't a long term thing. But ever since then, I've just always looked at this Tootsie Roll stock. So Tootsie Roll is worth two billion dollars. And it is actually a big brand, but it is so outdated in every way. And it doesn't do. Dude, I love Tootsie Roll, by the way. It, I wish I had a Tootsie Roll right now. I feel like they don't do any of the things that like M&Ms and Skittles and others candies do to stay relevant with like the younger generation of like, you know, partnering with young pop stars, like coming out with new variations, new th- holiday themes. Like, you know, I feel like Tootsie Roll does nothing. And so <laughs> the idea would be to buy Tootsie Roll out um, and bring it back with like hire like the best marketing agency of all time and bring it back with the vengeance uh, using TikTok as distribution. What's their uh, what's Tootsie Roll's market cap? Two billion. It's it's expensive. It's five hundred. Or sorry, um, two billion. Yeah, two billion. Not bad. It's expensive. Wow. But I think wow. Uh, That's not, an interesting not one. To all this... these other brands, right? Hershey, Hershey's, I think sold for twenty billion or something like that. There's basically uh, several candy brands. If you follow the trail of candy brands, they all they all get like sold to the same Dude. you know, Mondelez and whoever. Tootsie Rolls is a good idea. Here's why. Okay, so they own Tootsie Rolls, obviously. They own Fruities. I love Fruities. Okay, they own Dots. You know Dots? Dude, I don't even know what Fruities is. I don't know what kind of, you know, middle America candies you eat. That It's some redneck shit that I eat. Um, <laughs> Do they own like okay, Red about, Hots um, as well? That, I feel like that would be a brand that they would own. No. They own Sugar Daddy. You know Sugar Daddy? No. And Sugar Baby? No. Do you know Dots? Yes. Dots is like what, what you get at the movie theater. Yes. I love Dots. How about uh, uh, Andy's Chocolate Mints? Don't know. Yeah, the little, they're like in a green. Dude, everything in their portfolio is outdated. Dude, Andy's is what you get at the restaurant. It's like the, the green thing that you get at the restaurant. Like a peppermint? 
it's kind of like that, but they also own they own Junior Mints. They own Charleston Chew. They own Charms Blow Pops. I mean, I wish people could see the excitement in your face right now. Like, this is like when you meet someone and you have five friends in common. I feel like that's what's happening right now with you, the Tootsie Roll brand portfolio. Double Bubble. They own Double Bubble. <laughs> Dude, you're crazy. This is a good... So all, there's some good so stuff all here. all of these, I would I would partner with rappers and make very clever songs. I'd get my candy dr- name dropped in every single song. Double Bubble, that should be a rap song altogether. Uh, I would try, sugar daddy. I'll try to bring it back, make it culturally relevant again and um, and and bring bring this candy back to the mainstream. And then, by the way, you you actually don't need to do any of that stuff. You just need to not be this 90 year old lady. And then you need to sell the business. Uh, she's just refusing well, she's dead, to sell the, the business. No, no, I don't think she is. Is she? Yeah. Tootsie Roll CEO dies at 95. We may never know. Oh, how many dude, my, my info is outdated here. This is back from three, four years ago. She dead. So so who owns it now? Why didn't they sell? Well, it's publicly traded. I mean, I don't know. It's got a CEO. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm looking at this shit on the spot. But on Wikipedia, it says she's dead. There's been all this candy movement, these candy roll-ups that are going on. And uh, I'm surprised that Tootsie Roll hasn't gotten in on the action. But that's... By the way, the candy companies, I think Hershey's and Mars, I think those are like two... Like I think they're both in the top 10 of privately held companies in America in terms of size. Interesting. Yeah, like, I lo- like candy businesses are cool. Yeah, I mean, Buffett is sort of famous for um, being in the C's candy business. and Yeah, okay, but how about that? You want to talk about no one eating Tootsie Roll? Who goes to C's candy? <laughs> well, does C's candy own other brands that are, like, very popular? Like, do they own M&M or something like that? Because he's always no, eating M&M's. They own and M&M. drinking, he's, he's, he's eating M&M's and drinking Coca-Cola, so I assume they're... He only like consumes his portfolio, so, so I, I feel like... No, C's candy is owned by... Or they own they they own those all the the fancy no. stuff yeah. I mean it's fine, but like it's not like I'd rather have a Butterfinger than a C's candy. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm into, I'm right. into the candy you, space. I think there's opportunity in the candy space. But I agree with you. Like when you th- has there been an like there's lots of like D to C healthy shit, but has there been a new a like I remember when I did my cross country trip on my motorcycle in 2012. I remember going to like. Um, rural Alabama or rural Oklahoma where I hadn't seen anyone in 100 miles and then rural Minnesota and then Manhattan and then Miami. I went to all these places and I'm like, they all have the same candy. Like there's yep. a Snickers and M&M's and Hershey in all of these places. And then I went to Mexico and then Europe and then all over the place. My sister was in Africa and, and I, I was talking to her and I was like, she's like, yeah, M&M's freaking everywhere like i'm like how like that's pretty crazy how ubiquitous some of these brands are right it's just phenomenal right that you go like we think that each region's different it's not we all like we're kind of similar and we all got the same stuff and i started thinking about that in, in the scope of business and i'm like that actually seems like why has there not been that many new entrants into the candy bar space i mean there's been like cliff bars and healthy stuff but not like so i was literally thinking about this like an hour ago when i thought of the tootsie roll thing i was like dude why are all these ddc brands trying to be like the vegan sugar-free gluten-free candy it's like go for the junk food go for addictive um you know, delicious, indulgent, uh, have fun, uh, you know, get a little wild candies. And I can't remember the last one of those that came out. And so I, th- I can remember one of them, which one, 
Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct to consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing. If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Rap Snacks. <laughs> okay, I don't know what that one is. I gotta look that you up. You don't know what Rap Snacks are? Oh, it started in 94. I, I had it when I was a kid and I still eat it. Okay, it's well, called Rap Snacks. 94 is not recent. But, uh, I know. They take rappers like... Um, Juvenile or uh, Migos or Cardi oh, B, dude, and they call it hilarious. rap snacks. Yeah, rap dude, snacks I'm, are great. I'm they looking have at this. Uh, it's like Honey Drip Butter Popcorn by like Missy Elliott and like Notorious B.I.G. Honey Jalapeno Pop Potato Chips <laughs> or Lil Boozy Louisiana Heat Potato Chips. <laughs> okay, so this is this was pretty much the exact idea I was going to pitch you, which is you buy uh, going back to buying legacy brands. So you go buy Warheads. Do you remember Warheads? Yeah. So you go by Warheads and um, Warheads are, are amazing. I don't know. When I was in like sixth grade, like Warheads were the shit in my school. It was like Pokemon cards and Warheads. Those are like the two ways that you could. That's like, you know, that was Gucci and Prada as far as I was concerned in my school. You, If you were carrying that, you were cool. And so Warheads are kind of out of fashion now. But I think you could take that same product, that extreme sour product and rebrand it and go partner. I would go to Clutch Sports and I'd be like, hey, LeBron, uh, we need like 15 NBA athletes. You're each going to get your own Warhead flavor. LeBron, you're the you're the black Warhead. You're the craziest, most sour one. And then we're going to go get, you know, Anthony Davis and Giannis and the other guys to be the other flavors. And then I would go to Jake Paul for the next season. I'd be like, hey, Logan, you're the black Warhead. Jake Paul, you're the red one. And then we're going to go get the other Team 10 guys. And I would just keep basically licensing uh, influential people and make the warhead packaging, you know, their head basically. And, and, and that, those would be the different flavors. They'd all be limited edition. And, uh, I would, I would go that route. I'm into it. I think that would be killer. I, I, I really like some of these ideas. Um, what else is there in the candy space? Like there, there's just not much movement, uh, in Migos, the, sour cream like, with a dab of ranch. <laughs> was that rap snacks? Yeah. Rap snacks. So good. The one with, uh, what's uh, Dr. P, or what's the fucker's name? Um, Dr. Dre? Master P? No, the Master P. What's Master P's son name? He has one. Uh, uh, Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo. Lil Romeo. <laughs> that he, was, he made it popular. There's Lil Romeo rap snacks. That's what I used to eat when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was a cool one. Um, okay, the, the other... Okay, besides the, rap snacks. The, the other brand like, that I would do this with is ramen. Uh, cup Like cup noodles. Um there's a picture on the Rap Snacks website that's E40's Prime Rib Icon Ramen Noodles. And it's just a branded version of the ramen noodle thing. And, um, you know, the ramen noodle, ramen, is, I think, is eaten uh, by a certain demographic of sort of like kind of like the college student or like low income, like because it's like, you know, it's the cheapest way to get a bunch of calories. Basically, uh, it doesn't taste you know great, but it doesn't taste horrible either. And so I would basically take the any of these products that are generically branded or they look like kind of like ramen. It's like this Asian looking brand. Uh, it doesn't really, you know, like have much of a, of a, of a standout presence. And I would just clone the product and slap, you know, different celebrity faces on, on those products. 
I'm into it. I love this idea. I, I've just, I've always been thinking about, like, I mean, I've been thinking about this for years. I'm like, why do we not have, like, when you think about the innovation that has come out of candy, like, it's been like, M&M's having peanut butter and crisp and like you know how M&M's has all those different flavors now yeah. or like peanut or, or 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 peanut butter cups having christmas tree or like there's it's very there's like they don't do a lot of new shit ever okay so did you know the story of rap snacks no i did it have something to do with masterpiece yes. masterpiece? masterpiece i think he bought it right so basically uh they went into the chip industry so not exactly candy uh so so somebody named james Lindsay part james Lindsay partnered with master p to put some of hip hop's biggest stars on bags of chips and um so this article when's this article? so this is from 2020 uh so, so this may be uh you know put some water to cool down on my idea i don't think it's that big so basically it said um, they're in four four thousand. Do they only sell it like in the Midwest and the South? Where I, like I don't, they have it at all the stores where I where I grew up. Right. So it said you know they they started this in ninety four. Like you said, I can't believe you even knew this. By the way, you have the most random collection of knowledge I've ever seen. And then two thousand eleven things slowed down, and then they were just kind of operating in three or four markets, and then they came back in twenty sixteen and they launched uh, nationwide, basically not nationwide, but like a much bigger part of the country. So now they're in four thousand Walmart stores nationwide. Um, and they say it's grown into a $5 million business, which seems really, really no, low. No, that's wrong, that's just, brother. It, it is Dude, ba- rap snacks, bakery and I snacks be- reported. I don't know what that means. No, wrap snacks makes at least $100 million a year, dude. Like every store in St. Louis has them. Let's, let's see if we can do a quick. I, I believe you. It's like it's huge. And they have like TI snacks and they've got like uh, Juvenile. They got Migos. I love it. Okay, I so love wrap 30, snacks. 30 million I just bought in some revenue, like four weeks ago. 30 million in revenue in 2019. You bought wrap snacks recently? <laughs> Yeah, dude, I love wrap snacks. <laughs> Do they it's taste cool. good or you just think they're cool? They're just generic chips. They're just cool. I was with Sarah and she likes Cardi B. I got her some Cardi B wrap snacks, bro. Dog, like, come in. This isn't like hard to understand. I would also be interested in starting a line where I just uh, got the brands that we would all eat for lunch. So like Bosco sticks or like pizza sticks or um, hot fries and cheddar fries. <laughs> Yeah, what's Dunkaroos doing nowadays? All right, so let's move on. But I'm into the legacy brand, legacy legacy food brand rebranding. As uh, do you, do you know who did a really good job of buying an old brand and making it completely different? Was um, your boy Ty Lopez? Shinola. No, what, what do they do? Shinola. Do you know what Shinola is? No. The guy who started Fossil Watch. He's a Greek guy. I mean, he's American Greek. I think. I don't want to pronounce his name because it, it, it's like a really hard Greek name for me to say. Um, Tom something. Um, Fossil Watch went public. He became a billionaire. He then um, started Shinola. And Shinola is a very... or used to be a famous American brand. And their their tag phrase or tagline was, you don't know shit about Shinola. And I don't know why that was their phrase, actually. But that was their their tagline. (laughs) And it originally was a shoe polish business. But Shinola, it, it had the coolest logo. And so he bought it, the logo and the brand, which I don't know what bought mean. Like, I don't know what there was to buy. Um, and then he turned it into a watch company. And at this point, they make watch. They put Shinola branding on watches, basketballs, uh, elect- some electronics, like electrical cords, which is weird. Um, notebooks. Right. And it's like a half a billion dollar company. Hmm. Interesting. I like it. Um, uh, which one do you want to go to? Are you sure you want to talk about Bitcoin? 
Uh, it's kind of nerdy, but I'll just get, I'll just shout it out. Okay. So there is a blog post you should Google called nine charts about why Bitcoin is different this time. And I think it's important because a, I'm into Bitcoin, but B it's hard to differentiate between when something is actually here, when there's substance versus just hype and what this shows is that Bitcoin has re-arrived at the like 18, it's about 18,000 and a half now uh, per Bitcoin. And that's just about the all-time high where it, was, it hit 20,000 a few years ago and then it crashed. And so people want to know, is it just going to crash again or is it just hype, speculation? What's causing this? And I thought this guy did a good job of looking at the, some of the fundamentals um, of Bitcoin and it's pretty compelling. I'll, I'll just shout out two of the proof points and then I just think people should go read this. Uh, it's very interesting. So he did an analysis and he basically said – because Bitcoin's all – all the wallets are public, right? It's a public ledger. So you can basically see how many wallets have more than $10 in them. And this is a – you know, this is – a way to check how uh, how much adoption is there, right? Bitcoin, like all money, is about a network effect. So the more people that use it, the more valuable it gets. It's like if, if not everybody uses a currency or doesn't speak a language, it's not useful. So back in 2017, so just three years ago, the number of wallets with just over $10 in them was three and a half million wallets. Not that, not that much adoption, right? There's, you know, apps that tell you about plants that have more users. And um now, just three years later, it's 18 million wallets have more than $10 in them. So you could see like the number of – and you could do this. You could say more than $100, more than $1,000. It's the same curve. It's basically 6x the size. The adoption is 6x the, x the size as it was last time the price was at this point. So that's way better, uh, way more adoption, way more fundamentals. The second part is what they call realized market cap. And basically, this measures – okay, what's – like right now to get the market cap of Bitcoin, they just say how many Bitcoin are outstanding and what's the price for Bitcoin? That's the market cap. But that's not really real, right? Because a lot of people got in when Bitcoin was cheap. And so it's not like they're actually buying it at today's prices. Uh, like if one person buys it at 20,000, that doesn't mean that all the Bitcoin are worth 20,000. Um, so it's a little bit, the market cap generally is misleading. So he looked at something called the realized market cap. And all this basically means is, um, he ignored all the Bitcoin that hasn't moved in many years. So this is like stuff that people have had since 2009 and like hasn't, hasn't actually hasn't actually been transferred, hasn't been sold or bought. So it's basically of the Bitcoin that were sold and bought this year, how much have those been worth? And uh, so what it showed was that uh, on a on, it shows you kind of the cost basis. And so in 2017, the market cap, if you use this method, was only 10 billion. And now it's 120 billion. So 12 times the size, which basically means that the, the even though Bitcoin's price is higher, the number of people who are actually buying and selling at this price is much, much larger this time. So last time the price ran up because a small number of people were buying at this high price and most people had been in it at super low prices. So like, you know, if you own Bitcoin when it was $40 and now it's at $20,000, you're not going to, you know, you're a more likely to sell because it's like life changing money for you to cash out, take some money off the table. And you're almost completely unlikely to go buy at 20,000 because mentally you're like, dude, I bought this at $50. I'm not going to buy this at 20,000 per Bitcoin now. And so there just weren't as many buyers available at that price point. Now there's way more. So I think those two are really promising signs. And so I, I would guess that Bitcoin is going to break through, uh, to new highs, um, you know, over the next two, three years. How high? I don't know. People do these like estimates where they say 50, 50, 60,000 of Bitcoin. And what they're assuming is essentially um, 
Bitcoin continues to sort of eat into the gold use case of why people buy gold. And um, so basically, if you look at it as a how big is Bitcoin compared to gold? Um it's like 2% right now, and people see it getting to about 10%, uh, 10% of gold's market cap within that time, and that would price it at 50, 60,000 per coin. And there's all these other good signs like uh, a bunch of financial institutions from you know um, JP Morgan, Bank of America, whoever have come out and put in their their thing. Like, here's the asset classes we're most excited about looking forward, like all their, their fund managers and stuff like that. Um, you know, Square is now now using Bitcoin. So there's 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 more adoption by institutions and there's more buying by institutions and institutions can really spike the market because that's a lot of cash that wasn't able to get into Bitcoin before that can now, you know, use Bitcoin as a small hedge in their portfolio. And that'll be huge. So I think those, I do know those things will drive it up. There's a guy there's a guy who is supposed to be chopping off his dick soon, right? <laughs> Why? He bet something? The guy John McAfee, oh. he said, if it does, I think did he say if it do, if it doesn't hit a million dollars by like this January? That's right. Yeah, he's gonna chop off his dick and eat it. That's set, what he said. Set your calendar reminders. Is that this? It's is that this December? <laughs> I don't know. I'm ready to check, check when when he promised that. Not to interrupt your your wonderful. No, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. I'm ex- wonderfully intellectual point, which I buy into. <laughs> but just a reminder. <laughs> The founder of uh, McAfee Virus Software on December 31st is supposed to chop off his dick and eat it. If it's not at, what, like 100,000? I think a million. If, it, if it's not reached 1 million. Okay, yeah. He's Oh, he said he'll do it on national TV too. Perfect. Um, okay, so so forget the blog post. Just, wa- just watch this when this goes live on ABC. Um, we'll do one more. Yeah? yeah. What's the... Uh, let's talk about Figma for browsers. What's that mean? Okay, so I got two ideas that are kind of what I'll call the X for Y ideas, where you just sort of take X and you say, I'm going to do it in a a different category. So Figma for browsers. So um, there's been this movement of all the shit people use from being what I'll call single player, like a single player video game to being multiplayer. So uh, a good example of this is Figma, which is like a new, it's Photoshop, but it's like the new age Photoshop. And Figma's valued over a billion dollars. So they built a billion dollar startup, basically taking Photoshop and saying, oh, this should actually be on the internet, not just a, a computer, something on your computer. And like, while I'm doing designs, Sam, you should be able to like collaborate on the same file and you should That's be able to- That's a great framework. That is such a great framework. And, and so then there's Google Docs, right? Google Docs said, oh, there's Microsoft Word. That's the single player version of writing a document. Google Docs, it's the multiplayer version. Two of us can be writing on the same document, editing things, leaving comments for each other, that sort of thing. It's like collaborative software is the boring way to say it, but I call it multiplayer software and did you make this up um i think a bunch of people have come to the same realization i I, like i i thought of it myself but i've seen other people talk about this too um so there's another one that's a front, which is an email inbox. So email is a single player sport. Usually front basically said, Hey, you know, when you have like a help desk, it's kind of like annoying that everybody has to share the same password and you don't know who's going to reply. Like we're going to make a team, a multiplayer version of, a, of an email inbox. And like your whole team that does support customer support can see the same inbox and then assign each other's things and leave each other comments about it as you go. So this, this trend keeps continuing. So I just look at on my computer screen, I go look at the, 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 the kind of the desktop apps, all the apps I have. And I just think which ones of these are single player today that could be multiplayer. And the biggest one is uh, the browser. So Chrome, right. Or Safari or whatever you use. 
So today your browser is a completely single player experience. You, you, you use your browser, you don't share it with anybody else. Um, but you do take links and you share the shit out of links, right? Like that's how the, that's how stuff grows on the internet is people sharing stuff with one another. But the sharing is like a four-step process. You like grab the link and then you go to your email or your messenger, copy, paste it, you send it to them, then they click it, then they open it. And so I actually think that there's room for the Figma for browsers, which is basically, let's say for, for this podcast, for example, we could just have a shared Chrome window. And we both just open up a bunch of tabs and I can see which tabs you've put in and you can see which tabs I've put in. I can highlight stuff on it and I can write notes on it. You can see my comment. You can reply to it. And it's like we have this little shared Internet window. And I I don't know what that would be good for and who who would use it. I I would use it. I I know with a bunch of friends, but um, I think that it's crazy to me that there's not a multiplayer browser, whatever the fuck that means. I think somebody should go do it. I think that's such a great framework. Um, The multiplayer browser one, uh, maybe. But like in terms of just that framework, I think it's gold. Like, for example, you know, do you know what Pro Tools are? No. It's for music. Okay. Editing music. It's like considered the I think I, I think it's like the default. I'm like, yeah, multiplayer that. Right. I mean, multiplayer of, of any type of. So people are saying of, Figma for like After Effects or for iMovie, like um, yes. basic video editing should be done the same way. Uh, it's not today. Today I edit on my timeline and then I can export a file. Then you can import that and then you can't make the changes. It's like really annoying. Um, that should be done in the Figma style. Uh, there's a whole bunch of these. Do you know what's crazy antiquated? I cannot believe it exists. And like I I try to tell my lawyers all the time. I'm like, can we just use Google? And they're like, no, we're not using Google. Is when they redline documents. Yep. And my, like track changes like, in uh, Microsoft Word change tracking yeah like it's so weird when so what lawyers do if no one's had to do this is they say they're gonna i don't even know the terminology but they say they're gonna do track changes or redlining which means they like cross out the original contract and make something new in order to negotiate and then they like download it to they de- they save it and they upload it to microsoft word and they email it to you and you could see the track changes if you have microsoft word right it's so freaking weird. Right. It's so weird. I can't believe that that exists that way. Yeah, that's an old habits die hard thing. I think there there are some people who have tried to like modernize this whole thing because because the big problem there is there's a bunch of different versions, right? You'll have like contract January two point three, and then it's like oh contract January two point four, and then somebody just says contract, uh, re- you know revised clause, and now it's like new. a different file, new, <laughs> yeah, new, 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 new copy, new, new copy one. <laughs> I cannot stand it. I cannot stand it. It bothers me so much. I hate this whole redlining thing. When I called my lawyer, I was like, hey, have you heard of Google Docs? <laughs> and she like, she's like, uh, yeah, that's like amateur hour. We're not going to use that. And I was just like, okay, I guess, whatever. <laughs> right. But uh, I'm, I'm shocked by that. I'm shocked at the redlining, uh, how that right. uh, how that process works. So th- there's another X for Y idea that I think is interesting that a bunch of people are trying to do right now. And I don't know who's going to emerge a winner or if there is even a winner. Maybe everybody's chasing a, a false prize here. Uh, but it's Substack for video. So Substack got really popular in the t- kind of like tech community as a really easy way to create a newsletter with a paywall if you want. Um, and so you can get subscribers and you can send them emails and you can charge them for emails. And a lot of people are trying to do this for video. So to say you can get subscribers for you to do video, either live or recorded. Um, but let's take live. I think that's where more people are innovating right now. So 
I'm going to be able to go get subscribers for my live streams. Um, some of those streams can be free and some of them can be paid. And somebody, and a bunch of people are trying to make Substack for live video right now. Some people are trying to do Substack for recorded videos as well. Uh, what do you think of this idea? You think there's a there there? I'm, I'm kind of torn on it. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you an example. There's this company that Ben Askren is part of. And he filmed, I've talked to him a bit about it. It's called Rockfin. Do you know what Rockfin is? I think you've mentioned it once, but explain again. So it's R-O-K-F-I-N. And it's very similar to that. It's And their tagline is the best way to uh, monetize your content. Now, they've done something weird in that they've like built this on the back of Bitcoin, which to me, I'm like, <laughs> I told them, I was like, you guys, I don't like just just make just let me give you money and make the service cool. Um, so I don't understand what this whole like Bitcoin shit is and how it works with this. It, 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 honestly, it, it makes it super weird. But you can go to Rockfin at the very bottom, click um, like subscribers or dashboard, and you can see how many subscribers they have. So they have about 10,000 people who pay them money. And um, they've lined up people like Ben Askren, people who are like mildly well-known athletes and they create athletic blog like vlogs for them um and so ben Askren will like leading up to some fight or something he'll like put out a bunch of episodes and i think it's cool i actually paid for it it was awesome so they're trying it i think one problem is is that video is significantly harder than text so like with substack i can just sign up and it would take me 30 minutes to write my first article right video it's definitely a lot more intense but i do think it's quite cool i mean you're you wouldn't do it like rockfin you would definitely do you would just rip off only fans yeah oh yeah only fans is a great great example of this uh they do they do everything they do you know mostly photos and videos um i think the a lot of people are doing this for live video which i think makes some sense because you it's not as hard to create live video as it is recorded video, ironically, right? Because for recorded, you have to like put all this time into editing, make it good and all this stuff. With live video, it's just like, hey, whatever happens during this hour happens and uh, then you're done with it. And so I think – and then you have like Instagram Live and all these other things where – Twitch where you can stream for free but you can't have like your stuff behind a paywall. And um, and so that's where I think a lot of people are trying to do this for live video. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I would just rip off OnlyFans though. That's what That would be my thing. Mm-hmm. But for the same market, um, and as OnlyFans are for a different market. Different, yeah, like a like a PC, uh, you know, a, a safer work type of thing. Right. Okay. Uh, one other idea I wanted to talk about is this uh, this website called Gumspy. So it's gumspy.com. G U M S P Y. I was pronouncing it Gumsy. Have you seen this? No, I saw it on your sheet. I was like Gumsy. What's Gumsy? So gumspy.com yeah so so i'll shout out the guys making this guy jacob greenfield's making it greenfeld maybe is how you say it um and i like this dude he's a kind of like building public type of guy and those are those are my people I, i like that and so he's building a bunch of different random projects this is one of them so what he said is let's see who who's got the you know best selling stuff on gumroad so it's just a list of the best selling stuff on Gumroad. Just good trend stuff for you, by the way. Um, so he has this, you know, website where you can go and you can get a you can see a free sample where it's basically like this Airtable kind of embedded into the website. You can just see. So like if you scroll over and you sort by estimated monthly revenue, look what's at the top. It's a, it's a trans competitor of yours that's doing 27,000 a month. Um, and then there's you know just a whole bunch of the agency course, stock market in, in, uh, investing fundamentals that's sold. About $9,000 a month uh, on Gumroad. So I thought this was kind of cool. It's a cool way to see kind of what's popular on Gumroad. And uh, and I like this guy, Jacob Stout. Awesome. I recommend you follow him and look at the different things he's doing. He's doing what he's calling 
a bootstrap MBA, which is like, how do I learn business through trying to bootstrap a bunch of projects over this year? And uh, it's going to cost me money. Maybe I'll make some money. Maybe I'll lose some money, but I'm definitely going to learn about business by building a bunch of businesses this year. And I'm going to publish as I go. And so I, I like this. I like this guy's up to it. I think this is a cool product. Wow. This guy's Jake, his personal website's even cooler than the real website. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's Jacob with a K. So Jacob Greenfeld. Dot com. Um, yeah, this kid's a, uh, how old is he? Is he young? Is he a young kid? No, I don't think it's a young kid. I think it's a like guy. Oh, okay. Well, this man is talented. Yeah. This guy's ball. This guy's awesome. Yeah. I like him. A um, lot. wow. Yeah. I'm, I think this this person is going to be great. Um, I like this Gumroad idea. That's not going to be a big business, obviously, but it's a really neat small tool. But I bet you, if he, it looks like he's already has eight of these tools already made. <laughs> yeah, he just uses the same landing page, by the way, for all of them. Like he has another one called Product Explorer. And it's just the same. <laughs> it's the same website. Uh, it's a great. What, a great what is format. this made out of? Is this like some like Notion thing I don't know. or something? I sent it to my guy who, my guy Ben, who helps me with all my projects, and I said. Great example of a personal website and great example of a landing page. Let's figure out what he's using as his template for these because I really like this format. Yeah, this is really good. I really, really like this. Um, his landing pages are phenomenal. This person seems great. Uh, I think this is really, really cool. Oh, man, I'm like digging through all of his stuff. So how'd you find this person? Um, I saw the gum spy tool and I was like, oh, this is cool. And at the bottom right, it's like, this is made by Jacob. And I was like, ah, anytime somebody builds something tight, I stalk the shit out of him. And then I saw he follows me. He DM me and I never had replied to him. And I was like, ah, shit. Uh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and so now I, I DM'd him being like, hey, your stuff is cool. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about this, except this is cool. I think. I don't think that some of his tools are going to be like particularly big, but I bet you many of them can make five grand a month. Yeah, I think, you know, this is kind of like in the learning phase and maybe something not something leads to something is kind of what you bet here. Wow, um, that's badass. Um, let me tell you a quick story. I was out in um, in at a bar, uh, like a, not a bar. I wasn't in a bar. I was outdoors on the patio of this like picnic area and I was talking, I guess kind of loud, but I had a mask on and glasses on. And no one could see my face. And this person walks up to me. And he goes, are you Sam Parr? <laughs> I was like, uh, yes. Hi. He goes, dude, you're in Sean's podcast. I love it. I'm a huge listener. Like uh, I listen to every episode and I thought uh, it was kind of cool. So he recognized you by your voice. You're saying. Yeah, they, they, they could tell my <laughs> voice. And that happens every once in a while um, when people can see my face. But uh, it was very funny. People were able to recognize it just from the voice. <laughs> that's cool. I uh, who would have thunk it, man? That's uh, that's, that's pretty crazy. Has that happened to you yet? Um, no, the closest thing to that is like I called my cousin and um, I called my cousin Robbie and he picked up the phone and it sounded like something was like off. Like I was like, hey, what's up? And he was like, uh, hold on. Um, and he's like kind of like distracted by something. And I was like, oh, if it's a bad time, like I'll, I'll go back later. And he's like, no, no. He's like, I was literally just listening to the podcast. And then you called and it's the same voice. But like now it's live. He's like, it just like really tripped me out for a second. He's like, I didn't know if I just pushed something on my phone and, like, and didn't know what the heck just happened. Uh, so I thought that's that was, actually that was a pretty good little bit. Um, that's a good one. Anything else you, we got to we want to go over? No, nah, we're good. Great. Sounds good. Cool. All right, man. I will see you then. All right. That's it. See you all soon. Cool.